We are uh, actually coming to a, the end of our journey through First uh, John this morning. Um, we're uh, going to be in chapter 5 of uh, this letter that John has written to uh, a church in churches in and around Ephesus, which is kind of in modern-day Turkey today. Um, but we'll be uh, in, uh, on page 1023, if you're following along in one of the black Bibles there in your, in your seats, um, as we work through the, the, the last little part of this, uh, of this letter that John has written to God's people. We're going to be in verses 14... Uh, through the, the end of the, of the letter this morning. Um, but uh, just before we get started, just to introduce things, um, Lindsay and I uh, have... There's a lot of funny shows that come on really late at night, late night TV. We don't ever stay up late enough to watch them, and so we end up watching clips later on. And one of the, the recurring bits that uh, a guy named James Corden does is carpool karaoke. Um, so he's out in, in L.A. and traffic is awful. And so in order to try to get uh, improve his drive time, he, he calls up friends of his to ride in his car with him so that he can uh, ride in the carpool lanes and get, get places quicker. Usually who he picks up are celebrities, usually music artists, and they sing uh, their songs that had just so happened to come on the radio while they're while they're with them, and they drive all around L.A. singing uh, karaoke in uh, in James Corden's car. Uh, but some of us don't have the um, the benefit of being able to call up uh, a celebrity to just hop in the car and and drive with us, uh, so that we can drive in the HOV lane or the the carpool lane. Um, some people though have take matters into their own hands, and they've become a little more creative in how to uh, uh, overcome this problem of traffic and the need to have more than one person in the, uh, in the car. Um, uh, you can buy certain things that are called carpool dummies. Um, some people don't buy them. Some people make them. I have a, a couple of pictures of ones. Here's, I don't know if it, you can see it well or not, but these are from actual pictures that police have taken when they've pulled people over, and these are the carpool dummies that were in the passenger seat as they, they got them out of the, uh, the HOV lane. So here's one, this really, really old man dummy that's made up, maybe relaxing, snoozing in the passenger seat. Uh, go to the next one. Here's one that they, the sheriff pulled out. It was a, you know, a full, well, a half full mannequin woman that would sit in the, the passenger seat. Uh, some people couldn't afford things like that. So here's, here's stuff Diego that uh, um, didn't get them too far, but uh, it was a good idea. And then if this guy just decides to put a hat on the headrest and wrap his seat in a, uh, in a shirt, um, it, none of this really worked for, uh, for anybody. Um, although it was a, a good idea and a good plan, um, these, uh, these dummies, these fake people may have accomplished something for a little while, uh, while they were going through the, uh, the HOV lane to, to beat traffic. But after a while, the things kind of, uh, got caught up with them. It became exposed that who was with them was someone that was fake, that wasn't real. 
Um, uh, even if you, you think about this, uh, this fake person that's riding with them of how, although it may be able to get you through the into the carpool lane, there's certain things that a fake person will not be able to do. If you're driving with this person sitting beside you, you can talk to them all you want, but they can't hear. Fake people cannot hear and act and respond to you. Um, also, let's say you are in, uh, in a wreck and were in, in danger and needed somebody to, to, to save you or to protect you from, uh, from something that happened in the, in, in, inside of your car. Uh, a fake person is not only unable to hear you, they're unable to provide protection and care for you. Uh, in addition to that, a, a fake person, although they may be able to, to get you through traffic uh, by sitting in your seat, um, you cannot get to know them. They aren't personal. You can't have a relationship. You just sit beside Diego and he just exists. John, as he is wrapping up this letter, remember one of the things that he's been writing to the people in Ephesus is that uh, there is one true and living God. And the way that we know who this one true and living God is, is through Jesus entering in as God in the flesh who's broken into our world. And John has been writing about a group of of false teachers who have infiltrated that church in Ephesus and were seeking to lead people astray, saying contrary things about who Jesus really was, denying that he was God in the flesh, denying that, that Jesus needed to die to redeem people from their sin, uh, and, and uh, seeking to lead them astray. Well, now John is wrapping up his letter, and the way we'll see that, that he closes this letter out is by reminding God's people... In verse 21, he ends with this. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourself, or in other words, from fake gods. So we want to look at the the last part of this uh, letter and see how as John is closing this, this letter up, that he's writing to this church, why we should stay away from and keep ourselves away from idols, from false gods, hoping and resting only in the one living and true God. So if you would, follow along with me as I read from uh, chapter 5 of First John. We're going to be looking at verses 14 and following. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. 
Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. And we thank You for uh, how in Your Word You've revealed Yourself to us. Uh, Holy Spirit, we pray that You would give us understanding this morning. You know how we struggle to look to uh, false and fake redeemers and saviors to, to bring significance and, uh, and safety in our lives. We pray that we would see the sufficiency and the reality of our one true God this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of the, the first things that, that John is, is pointing uh, this church to, and us to as well, as we uh, hear from this passage of Scripture this morning, is that we should keep ourselves from idols. We should keep ourselves from, from faults and fake gods because the, the one true God actually hears and He acts. Unlike false or fake gods who cannot hear or act, this God does hear and He does act. Look at how John emphasizes this in verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have towards Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. John is saying we can confidently know that God hears. The living and true God hears and listens to His people. John is saying this is something that we should know confidently and rest assured of. And not only that, John says this, not only can we be confident that he hears, but he says in verse 15, if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. That's kind of a crazy claim. We better make sure that we understand that appropriately. John is saying not only does this living and true God hear, but he says that whatever we ask of him, because we know that he hears, then whatever we ask, we have. Sometimes if we take that verse out of context and don't look at what comes just before it, where John says this, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, we are... Uh, in for um, great disappointment and misunderstanding. We can maybe use prayer in ways that it wasn't intended. We don't understand really how, how it functions and how it works. Um, uh, this, for some people in here, I'm going to tell you about something that you may have never seen before in your life. Um, it's something called uh, a, a telephone in your house. This was before cell phones, and not only did these phones, uh, were they located in your house and attached to your house, they, they had a, a cord, and they, you had to plug this, this wire into the wall, and when you picked up the, the thing to talk into, there was a, a, a cord that was attached to the, the base, and so that's how you talk to people. It was called a, a corded phone. Well, uh, soon technology developed, and there was something called a cordless phone that came out. And I remember when my Aunt Elsie got her first cordless phone. And she was excited. She was telling everybody about it. And uh, 
Um, but one of my aunts was trying to get in touch with Elsie. And she was calling her and calling her and calling her and didn't know where she was. She didn't know if something had happened or what was, what was wrong with her. <clears throat> and finally, she just drove out her, uh, finally, she couldn't get in touch with her. She just drove her to her house and, and found her. She's like, where have you been? She's like, what are you talking about? She's like, I've just been out shopping all day. She's like, I've been calling you. And Elsie got really defensive. She says, you have not. And uh, my Aunt Dot was like, yes, Elsie, I, I have been calling you. She says, there's no way you have. I've had my phone with me all day, and it is not wrong once. You see, Elsie thought that the cordless phone in your house, maybe she was thinking like far advanced you know, technologically, but she carried her cordless phone all around Cherryville, North Carolina, thinking that uh, it worked that way and that as long as she had it, people could communicate and talk to her. She thought she was using the phone the way that it was designed. If it doesn't have a cord, surely I can take it wherever I want to go. What John is communicating and, and reminding us here is that God does hear And he does act in prayer, but we need to understand how it works. The way that God has intentioned and given us prayer is not for us to just go to God and ask whatever it is that that we want, expecting and looking at God like he's some sort of magic genie. And and being able to go to God and and confident that this God hears, the way that we would respond is just to, to ask God for whatever it is that we want, no matter what it is, and expect that He is gonna going to give it to us. What John tells us here is that uh that we can have confidence towards God that He hears us when we ask anything according to His will. You see, there's a difference in coming to the God who hears and asking according to our own will. Because remember what John is trying to tell us. Stay away from idols. Stay away from false gods. You see, if we're approaching the God who hears and asking Him to work in our lives and in the world, but doing so according to our will, then what we're doing is we're beginning to shape God in our own image. We're beginning to think that He should operate and work like us. And what John is reminding us is there's one true and living God the sovereign creator and ruler over all things. It's His will that we should long to see carried out. In fact, it's His will that we've been redeemed and saved to actually follow and pursue and participate in. But, I mean, that, that only would make sense, right? If we're approaching the, the creator of all things, it, it would make sense that He should know what we need better than we do. He should have such a perspective and know that the things that that we need in our lives, um, what is is most the the good that his people need and that 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 we're facing and, and going through in this in this world, that he would give us the good things that we need. You see, to pray a prayer like this goes back to this identity of who God is. If we're we're coming to God and we're saying and trusting Him to give us what, what we need and what is according to His will, then we have to remember this, that God is good. That He is good and that He is loving. And when we ask for something, sometimes we might feel like He's not answering. He's not hearing. But if we go back and, and remember that He is a good and loving God, 
who's demonstrated His love for us, that He sent His Son to die on our behalf, if He would not keep His Son from us in order to redeem and restore us, then the confidence and comfort that we should have when we come to Him in prayer, asking Him to do His will in our world and in our lives, even if it means we face difficult things, even if it means that we face suffering, John is going back and reminding us that this good God will give us what we need. One of the things that I was reading uh, this week commented on prayer in this way, saying that prayer is the means that God uses to give His people what He wants them to have. Our God wants us to be satisfied with Him and His purposes in the world. And when we come to God in prayer, it's not so much to get what we want, but it's for us to, to understand more the character of God and to submit and trust and long for Him to give us what He wants us to have and what we need. This may mean sometimes that we do struggle and we do suffer. We may come to a place where we wonder, in light of what I'm going through in my life, that maybe God isn't hearing. Maybe He doesn't care. I mean, God, do you really want... Is it really your will for sickness and suffering to be in this world? Is it really your will for there to be injustice and death and struggle? I've been pleading with you for a long time to take this away from me. Remove it from my life. Remove it from my family. Remove it from my world. Don't you know what you wrote? If you hear, and we have confidence that you hear, then we can be confident that we have what we ask, and I'm asking you to take this out of my life. How could this not be your will? But we have to go back and remember the good character of our loving Heavenly Father. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, back in the book of Daniel, there were three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were being challenged by Nebuchadnezzar to abandon their God and worship a false god, to worship an idol. And they were, they were being threatened because they would not bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar's God, that they were going to be thrown into a, a fiery furnace and executed for their, uh, their refusal to worship this false idol. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were praying to their God, and they stood before Nebuchadnezzar as they were getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And it's interesting what they said. They said to Nebuchadnezzar, we know that our God has the ability and the power to save us. They were confident of God's ability and His power. But they said this, but even if He doesn't save us, we will never worship your God. What was rooted in the prayers that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were offering to their God was a confident trust in His goodness and His care for them, and that even if it meant they were going to die, that God ultimately had a greater purpose in store that was going to result in the redemption and restoration of what He was after. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego actually were delivered from the fiery furnace, but that's not all of our experiences, is it? 
Some of us are wrestling and struggling now and feel like we are suffering and that for some reason, God has decided not to deliver us from the trial that we're going through. But what John wants us to remind us is that our good God hears and that when we come to Him in prayer, He is acting and He's working. And if we remember that Jesus has come into the world to redeem and restore all things, then the suffering that we're going through ultimately will come to an end. But the way that God may be answering our prayer now is by reminding us of His goodness, of giving us His presence that He is with us, of surrounding us with His people to walk with us through these tears. And sometimes it's just clinging to the confidence that our loving God hears and is working through prayer. Uh, the example, one of the examples that, that John just briefly gives us of, of this, of how to approach and praying God's will in a certain situation, has to do with finding a brother who is, uh, who is in sin. Look in verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. So John's saying, all right, here's the scenario. You see uh, a brother of yours who is in sin. Uh, This um, particular sin is not a sin that leads to death. What, What is that? What is John talking about a sin that doesn't lead to death? We've talked before and see in our, our journey through First John that sin does result in death. It's our, our uh, rebellion against God's good care for us. Well, um, John is contrasting this sin that doesn't lead to death with a sin that does lead to death. Remember, as John's been uh, explaining to us, life is found only in Jesus. And the only way that we can experience life and escape Death and sin is by hoping and trusting in Him. We can be delivered from, uh, from sin and from death. And the way that we know and see the evidence of the fact that we've hoped and trusted in Jesus, John has said, is he's given us several evidences to look for. Faith and hope in Jesus, our attitude to our, toward our own sin, um, evidence of righteousness and growth and obedience in our lives, and love for brothers and sisters. So John has said that if those things aren't present in your life, actually what you're demonstrating is not life, but you're actually living out a a life of death. So what John is saying here is if you see a a brother who you know and are confident of, that they've hoped and trusted in Jesus, that generally speaking, as you look at their life, they're, they're, they're repentant and grieve over their sin, regardless of how heinous it may be. That, that you're, they're seeing and, and evidencing growth and, and hope in Jesus, growth in their love of, of God's people. Um, when you see them in sin, we have an obligation and a desire to show love for them, to plead on their behalf before God, that he would begin to work in their life and bring deliverance and victory over that sin. And John is saying, look, God has promised that the, the eternal life that he has promised to his people will be there for that person. Why? Because Jesus has died. The reason that sin will not lead to death is because Jesus died in their behalf and He's redeemed and saved them. But John's saying, uh, that would be God's will, to pray for that person, to, to, uh, 
to find deliverance from that sin, to seek repentance, and to hope in God. But for the person who has rejected Jesus, who is not depending and clinging and looking on Jesus at all, John's saying that's contrary to God's will to even begin to pray that that person, that God would forgive them. Why? Because forgiveness can't be found outside of Jesus. It's not in God's will for us to pray that forgiveness would be there for those who have rejected Christ. For without Jesus, forgiveness of sin is not impossible, is, is not possible, and it will only result in death. Here is a particular application John's saying. Know and understand God's provision for sin. And as it plays out, as we pray in the world for God's people to make sure we're praying consistent with His will. Actually, what we should pray is that God would show them their need for Jesus. It's interesting that John doesn't say, don't pray for that person. He says, don't pray for that sin. God will not forgive the sin of rejecting Christ. Because there is no atonement for that. Our prayer and our hope would be that God would lead them to repentance and they would cling and hope in Him. But, so, as John's pointing out to us here, if we do have a God that, that hears and a God that acts, even as we can pray for our brothers and sisters who are sinning, that God would work and act in their, in their life and their world, why? Why would you go to an idol? Why pursue and, and, and go after a false God if you already are following a God that hears and acts? But it's, it's just not that, they, that our God hears and acts, but John also communicates and shows that we should keep ourselves away from idols because um, our one true God protects. Notice what he says in verse 18 and, ni- and 19. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. The wor- uh, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. John is emphasizing here the, the fact that our God also protects us. He talks about who it is that's protecting us here in verse 18. He says, the one who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him. John's using that, that second phrase, he who was born of God, to refer to Jesus. Remember, as we've talked about the relationship that uh, we understand of how it functions in the, in the Trinity, of, of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity's relationship to the Father is that of, of the Son. We've seen that it's through the work of our older brother that we're brought into God's family, that we become born of God through the work of Jesus. And what John is saying here is that Jesus is the one who is active, protecting us, guarding us, securing us, making sure that we live out life in this world unharmed by the evil one. Um, I don't know if back in... August, if everybody around here was able to, to check out the eclipse, so the full eclipse that happened, um, something that was necessary, though, in order to view the eclipse was you needed to have eclipse glasses. Um, these just weren't any glasses. They needed to be specific kinds of glasses that had certain ratings and approval from certain uh, um, approved uh, manufacturers. But what was going on is that Amazon found out that some people were producing glasses and and labeling them 
as, uh, as if they were the, the legitimate ones, but they found out that they were fake. And the danger is if you're using fake eclipse glasses to protect your eyes, when you look at the sun, they're going to provide no protection at all. In fact, they'll damage your eyes significantly. Um, in fact, I heard of some people, I think Mike was telling me about this, uh, some of his coworkers didn't have eclipse glasses. Um, and so what they did is they just stacked uh, three or four pairs of sunglasses on top of each other and tried to look at the eclipse that way. Fake glasses provide no protection from the power of the sun. What John is saying here is you should keep yourself from idols, from false gods, Because fake gods have no power to protect. But the living and true God has the power to protect. And He keeps His people safe. Jesus is the one who protects us. Who is it that He protects us from? He tells us it's from the evil one. Notice the contrast in verse 19. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Remember that as we've seen John's paradigm of the way that he's communicating reality, there's the world, those who are following after uh, the kingdom of this world, um, contrary to God's kingdom and his working. And then there are those who are following after God and seeking his, uh, his provision for them in this, in this world and in their life. Um, and John is saying here, look, those who do not have the protection of Jesus are under the power, the dominion, the oppression of the evil one. He is leading them down the the path of death and they are imprisoned by him. But those who have been born of God, Jesus is their advocate. Jesus is their redeemer. He is their champion. He is their protector. And the provision and the protection that Christ provides will keep them unharmed. This goes to this understanding that we cannot lose our salvation. When Jesus redeems us and those whom the Father has given to the Son, Jesus says that no one will be able to snatch them from His hands. The harm that is, John is speaking of here is this idea that the evil one would come to those who have been redeemed and saved and delivered out of His kingdom into God's kingdom that John is saying it's completely impossible for the evil one to come and snatch that person back and, and rip them out of the, the protection of God. Jesus has demonstrated by his life, his death, and his resurrection that he is who he said he was. And the provision that he has for his people is one of protection and safety. Our true God will protect us. It's, it, the, the thing to, to remember though here is that it could be that we could kind of stumble into a place of pride here. As John mentions, well, look, the world is still under the power of the evil one, but, but look at us. We, we are not under the power of the evil one anymore. But notice how that result has happened. It says that we are from God. We are the ones who have been born of God. He is the one who has worked this out in us. And that is the reason why we would have the confidence of what John says in verse 18 that everyone who has been born of God would not keep on sinning. This doesn't mean that we're talking about perfection in this world, but if we're looking back at what John has just talked about, about the sin that leads to death, of living a life that is rejecting Jesus, living a life completely uh, uh, unconcerned with sin that's in your life or your need to find redemption and restoration from Christ, 
John is saying, once you've been born of God, that will not enter into your life. You will not continue to live a life in rejection of Jesus. Your life will be transformed and changed. Why? Because of the protection that Christ gives to us. Why would we go to a false, fake God, John is saying, if the living and true God is the protecting one? But that's hard for us to to keep in mind, right? How often do you, like me, turn to other things when when we're scared? When maybe our world is, is crumbling, we feel like things are out of our control, and we go to lots of other stuff to escape, to find protection, uh, to keep us from being wounded or hurt from not just stuff in this world, but maybe even our own lives, whether it's, it's other people, um, whether it's other philosophies, whether it's any sort of, uh, of, of drug or, uh, or even uh, climbing the corporate ladder, thinking that if we can achieve some sort of, of, of sound um, job, that our, the money that we have will sustain us and then my family and, and I will be protected because I've invested my money well and my 401k or whatever it has and I have it in control and I'm going to keep my family safe and secure. John is saying, look, the only one that can protect and keep you secure is Jesus. Don't look and hope in your own abilities and powers. Don't look and hope in other things to provide you escape. Look only to Christ, who is the one that can protect and keep you from the effects of the evil one. This is what humanity has been longing for since Genesis 3. What, we, what uh, Moses told us, that one would come who would crush and destroy the effects and the power of the evil one. Jesus has come and done that. And God's people uh, can rest secure. Why would we go to a false God or a false idol that cannot protect us? But it's not just that the, the one true God hears and that he protects, but John closes up with this. We should, not, we should keep ourselves from idols because we know the one true God. Look at what he says as he closes up in verse 20 and 21. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. John is saying, look, don't forget this. There is one true and living God, only one. All the rest are false. How do we know this? Because Jesus came. Jesus came and entered into our world, not just as some good teacher, some miracle worker, some good ethical guy that's communicating uh, moral and radical life change, but as God who entered into the world, who came into our world to die and redeem and save us. But he didn't just die. He rose from the dead. It is... uh, Historical fact, we can look at the reliability of scriptures and the eyewitness testimonies um, corroborating that what we are hearing, these accounts of Jesus having risen from the dead, being true. And if that is true, that everything that Jesus claimed about himself and about God is true. And what Jesus came and said was, through me, you can know 
the one true and living God. Notice how John says this. He uses it in this way. He says that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. To be in Jesus is to be represented by Him. It's through Jesus that we come into a, a, a relationship of fellowship and of love and of intimate knowledge of our God. John is saying, look, the God that, that we worship and serve is not some distant God who stays away, but He's personally involved and engaged in our lives. We can know Him. He's not uh, a figment of our imagination. He's not just a crutch for the weak. He's not made of stone or wood or metal. It's interesting if we go back and look through the prophets as, as God writes to His people, reminding them to look to the one true God as they, they struggled to look after false gods. Uh, uh, the prophets exposed a lot of times, look, you take this wood... And part of it you, you cut up and you make a fire with. And another part you take and you make utensils to use in your house. And then what's left over you make a god out of and then you worship it. But it's nothing but, but wood. It can't speak. It can't hear. It can't act. You can't know it. We are not serving a God who is a carpool dummy. He hears. He protects. We can know Him. Because He entered into our world. He took on flesh. He suffered for us and He rose again that we could have a relationship with Him. Reconciliation has come through Jesus. If you know the one true and living God, why? Why would we go elsewhere? Because it's only in Him that we have eternal life. It's only in Him that we can know truth. And in fact, as John says it here, as he refers to Jesus, he says that Jesus is the true God and eternal life. It can only be found in Him. If, if this is true, and I believe that it is, then there is no need for us as God's people to look elsewhere. Let's look and hope and cling to the God who hears the God who protects, and the God that we can know. Do you know this God? If you don't, um, know that, that He is always about extending mercy to people. In fact, Jesus entered into this world to redeem and save sinners and restore them to Himself. Those of us who are hoping in Jesus, we do not have it all together. We do not think that we have it figured out. We are only hoping in Him because God has redeemed and saved us. Do you long to know this God? Do you long for this protection? For this relationship? To have one that hears and works in your life? You can know Him. The prayer of mercy and of, of calling out for help to our God, He always answers that. That is His will. And God gives life to those who call upon Him and ask Him in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You that Your Gospel is true. We thank You that the Scriptures are real. We thank You that You, as we worship, and right now my voice isn't just bouncing off of the, the ceiling back at me, but that You listen and You hear and You work. 
We thank you that you are with us this morning and pray that we would see the, the, the emptiness that comes from pursuing after other gods and hopes and sources of redemption. And we would cling and rest in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Um, as